It's great to see you. If this is your first time at Fathom, I just want to say welcome. I pray that this is a place you can grow in faith and in family and, and center around you and, and surrounding you. It's, it's just people who want to love on you and make a connection with you. And our, our whole goal here is just to, to draw closer to Jesus and make an impact on this community that, that, that South Jacksonville, that Jacksonville, and really the world around us would not be the same because of what Jesus is doing on the inside. And so I'm just thankful that you're here. I do want to welcome some special guests, and it's crazy that literally I had a, a I think it was a dream or it was in the shower and I was still sort of sleeping. You guys know what I'm talking about? This morning, and, and I had, a, a, like, seriously a picture in my head that um, some friends of ours here in, in South Jacksonville that planted a church a while back, I, I teach their kids music, I had, a, like, seriously a dream that they were going to be here, and, and, you know, they have their own church, but they, they showed up today, and it's so good to have you guys, the, the, some of the Morris clan, they're a big clan, so we've got some of the Morris clan, it's great to see you guys, um, it's crazy how God does that stuff, um, but anyway, it's great to see you, today we launched a brand new series, last week we had Easter, and it was just incredible. Um, and some of you may or may not know about me, is that <clears throat> I, I'm actually a music teacher. I actually teach a couple of these boys and, and teach across the city. And, and I love working with like, you know, young artists and just developing them and doing songwriting and guitar and voice. And probably my favorite thing to teach is voice. I, I just love to teach voice. And so all of you guys are going to get a free voice lesson today. You guys down for that? Okay. So I know some of you just got really, really nervous because you're like, he's going to make us sing. We just sang for like 15, 20 minutes. No, <clears throat> we're going to have a little voice lesson. So the first thing I need to teach you about music and, and about singing in particular is what unison is, okay? So we're going to all sing unison. So I'm going to pick a note and I want everybody like hum it until you get it, okay? Like hum, find it, okay? So let's just pick a note. Ah, let's pick that. Ah, some of you guys sound like you're getting, ah, sounds like the Dolby Digital sound real quick. Let's try one on unison. Ah, see you guys, haven't, you haven't even had this lesson yet, the cutoff lesson, and you got it. You guys are so smart. You guys are going to do great today. Um, I'm really believing. So that's unison. That's where everybody's singing the same thing. We all come to the, together on the same note. The next thing we're going to learn is harmony. Harmony is a really fun thing. And, and so you, you guys got re- really scared at that point. But it's okay. We're going to sing harmony together. And that's where we're singing different notes. So if you're a higher female voice, I, I'm going to pick out the note here because I don't have per- perfect pitch. So if you're, a, if you're a higher female voice, I want you to sing. Ah, can you sing that? If you have a lower female voice, sing, ah, and then all the guys, I want them, ah, so guys, ah, altos, ah, ah, all right, so hold up, so everybody, hold your note, hold your note, and we're going to sing in harmony, you guys ready for it, two, three, We're kind, of, we're kind of holding there, okay? So that's harmony. It's where we're singing different notes, but it, it sounds beautifully together <clears throat> most of the time. So <laughs> we, did, we, we, did, we did pretty good. We did pretty good, okay? So um, that's harmony. The, the third thing I want to teach you about music today is called dissonance. Dissonance, I, I'm not going to have you sing because it's very difficult to sing. And it, it's something that when two notes are so close together, like you guys, if you, heard, if you heard Lauren on the piano this morning hit those notes, which she didn't, she's an amazing piano player, if you heard her hit those notes, you'd be like, wait a second, that was different. <laughs> and the thing about dissonance is it catches our attention, and it's, it's actually used in a lot of classical music because it draws the attention, like it, it's almost beautiful how dissonant it is. And it's two notes that are so close together, they're so close together that they almost, they sound weird, and it causes the listener, us, as an audience or listening to music, it causes us to pay attention. We have to pay attention 
to what's happening there. But there's also something within us that wants that dissonance resolved. So we want that note to go, we want that note to be resolved. It's uncomfortable with that dissonance. And I think this, these kind of small music lessons I'm giving you this morning speak so much about the church. What, the, what God's called the church to be and, and ultimately what's happening in our church that so many of us have experienced in this room. I, I think this is all going to kind of begin to make sense as we put it together because God has called the church to be unified as one in his body and it's one God and Father that's in on through all. There, there's one church, but the, he's given different parts. Some of us sing high. Some of us have the gift of service. Some of the gift of leadership. Some of the uh, gift of, of teaching. We have different parts, but in that he wants us to sing beautifully together and to be united for one purpose. And so knowing the, the, the areas in which we need to be united and the areas in which we can sing harmony and have our diverse parts and how they come together to make something beautiful. But I think this, this, this key right here, dissonance, is the one we've got to really look at. Because I think there's some dissonance going on in the church. There's some really bad theology as it concerns the church. There's an, a lot of ideas around that it's just me and Jesus and we're going to do this thing, but you can't separate yourself from the body if Christ is the head of the body. You can't host the groom without also hosting the bride, uh, the church. And that's the reference that's used throughout Scripture, and especially in Revelations, the idea that, 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 that the groom will return for his bride. And you can't host, you can't host the, the groom without also hosting the bride. And if you want to love the things that God loves you, you'll learn to love the church. And some of us, if we're really honest, I just want you to take a second and like evaluate your relationship with the church. Maybe right now, maybe you want to look back to um, you know, a couple of years ago or, or maybe just throughout your life and your relationship with the church and how that's involved. I mean, I mean, maybe right now you feel distant from the body of Christ. Maybe you've never experienced what it is to be a part of the body of Christ. Maybe right now you don't call yourself a believer and you're just here and, and you feel like you don't even kind of feel comfortable kind of in, in this environment. This is new for you. Um, and we get that. So we all come from these different places. Some of us are jaded about church. Some of us, all we have is like a religious relationship with the church. But, but ultimately, I, I want us to dig down into what the church is really about today and begin to discuss some deeper topics as well. So let's first start with this. The, the, the church is simply, um, the, well, there's two types. One, you'll see capital C church. And some you'll see lowercase c church. The capital C church is talking about the global church, the global body of Christ. It's amazing to travel around the world and have a, a huge language and cultural barrier, but to sit down with believers and feel the love in the room. It's absolutely stunning to go to other parts of the world in which you first meet people, but they host you and love you because you're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a sense of unity even when we don't speak the same language. It's a beautiful thing. Think about it in, in the, uh, across our city right now. The, the most um, diverse place is in the church. That's where you see people from all socioeconomic um, uh, upbringings and, and where they're at right now, as well as um, you know, their native language and their native families. I mean, the, the, the Americas especially become a, a melting pot. And, and so you're going to find that in the church where you have people who make a million dollars a year and those that make $9,000 a year sitting in the same row. You won't find that very many places at your country clubs or anywhere else um, in the city. You, you don't find that. So the church is a beautiful kind of, so, so that's the, there's a global body of Christ, which we'll use capital C. 
And then there's a local expression of the body of Christ, which is, is Fathom Church. Like in our case, that's us. We're not like the only one. But there's all these local expressions, and that's where we're going to find some diversity. That's where we're going to find, you know, some not, not just in the local expression, but just among the different local expressions. There's different communities that have different styles and, and, and that type of thing. But there's even unity with our different parts draws us together, and that's the local expression. And just to give you a little history, some of you are newer to Fathom, and just catch you up, Fathom um, really means, if you, if you just look at it in our English translation, it, it means to understand. Like if something is unfathomable, it's like you can't understand or comprehend it. And for us, launching and planting Fathom Church is, it has really been about just our growing understanding of the dissonance that's taking place in the global church. That we, we, we long to have a relationship with God, but his people is what I have a problem with sometimes, right? <laughs> God's okay, but his people, you know, um, there, there's, there's a, a, a dissonance there. And it was a part of our heart to plant a church is, is that we wanted people to understand and know what the church is about. Because I think we'll fall in love more and more as we fall in love with the Father. We'll see what his son did and what his, his son is the head over and we'll fall in love with the body. And so I think God's stirring this up in us today. And if you look at the, the Old English translation, there's someone in here, I forget who I was talking to, but their mom was an Old English scholar. I said, ask her about the word fathom. Because if you look out in our coffee bar, you see these old nautical maps, and at the bottom it says soundings and fathoms. And it comes from an Old English term that was used in a nautical um, you know, setting, and which how they would, it was before tape measures, so they'd use rope and they'd stretch it out to find how deep something is. They'd stretch out their arms, and fathom literally means outstretched arms. So it was how they would measure something. And so for us, it is, it is what Christ did at the cross, but it is us as the church opening our, our arms to the world. That, so that's the local expression and who we are and kind of where all that comes from uh, and our identity here as a body of believers. So we're going to dive in, and we're going to go deeper than just name, than just capital C. We're going to go right to Scripture. Today and, and I want to look first at, at Ephesians chapter one. I want to hammer out a couple of definitions, and we're just going to keep going deeper. We're going to keep going a deeper fathoms t- today. Can you fathom it? So um, I, I always said we should have a point system around here for every time you use fathom in a corny way, you get points, and it totals up to like Chuck E. Cheese gift card or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sound good? All right, we won't start it. Um, so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to get four different definitions, not four different definitions, but four clarifying definitions of, of what the church is. Um, ch- the, the church is first the body of Christ. God placed all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So if you ever think that I'm in charge, you're wrong. I'm not, I'm not in charge. Like Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body. The, the, the church is the body of Christ. And I love this. It is the fullness of him. It is the f- we are the fullness of him. We are the body of Christ. Some people won't know Jesus unless you become the fullness of him and who fills everything in every way. So if you feel empty and your relationship with the church is distant or, or it's non-existent, then I, I think connecting to that in, in a deeper way is going to certainly have a, a deeper way to allow Christ to fill you in every way because he wants us to be united together and there's growth in that. So first, the church is the body of Christ. You look one chapter later, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, and we see that the church is a dwelling in which God lives. In him, the whole building is joined together, and it rises to be a holy temple 
in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together. Like we're being built together. There's this idea of, um, of building some kind of building, the Christ being the chief cornerstone that's going on in this text. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. To be a place of dwelling. And so when we talk about going to the church, we're talking about going to a building, but really the building is us. We're being built together as a holy temple. I know sometimes we feel like we're building up, but are we building around? Are we, are we, connect, are we being built together? And I think if we looked at the American church, we're being built separately and not being built together. I think God is doing something corporately growth in us and bringing us in to be built together so that we become this dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If we, last week we looked um, at, at, at Jesus' resurrection, and during the time when Jesus died, there was something known as the, ve- the, the veil or the, the, the curtain that, that stood between the holy place and what's known as the most holy place. And the most holy place, or what's known as the holy of holies, was in the Jewish temple. There was uh, an area in which the Ark of the Covenant, which held God's presence, through all of Judaism, okay? So all through that, um, God's presence was held in the Ark Covenant. They moved it everywhere and kind of went through a lot of things. But they built a temple for God's presence, and it stood behind the Holy of Holies. And the veil or the curtain was about as thick as a man's hand. So some of you guys have, I have tiny hands, but some of you guys have nice big hands. Um, but regardless, it's, that's how thick the veil was. Like it was a curtain that was that, was that thick, and, and when Jesus died on the cross, the, the, the scriptures tell us that the veil or the curtain tore. Like no one took scissors to a, a thing. When Jesus died, the veil tore in like a supernatural happening. And what it was, it, it, because with the Holy of Holies, with the Ark of the, the high priest, uh, who was like the priest over all the priests, would go in once a year to make a sacrifice for everybody, once a year, and they would actually attach a chain or a rope to his foot, so that in case he was just struck dead by the presence of God, in the, uh, by the Ark of the Covenant, they would just drag him out and get a new high priest. I mean, that is how like intense this was, and so just once a year, and so when the curtain tore, it moved God's presence from, from being in a room to filling his people, to, to, to living inside of us, to dwelling inside of us, so that's what takes place here. With the tearing of the curtain is God's presence dwelling in us and just a, a supernatural relationship that we get to experience and, and that Christ has become our sacrifice. Christ has become our high priest and we no longer need sacrifices. Anybody glad that we don't have to do sacrifices in here or you don't have to raise cattle so that you can kill them? I mean, when you walked up to church today, you, you heard like fun music and like some friendly people outside, but can you imagine kind of walking up to temple and like seeing like a slaughterhouse and a bloody like sacrifice thing? Like, so we can all say amen today to that, but more, more so we should be saying amen that God has allowed his presence to dwell within us. He's made a way for relationship and it's no longer set on a high priest to encounter his presence, but God, all of us get to encounter his presence right where we're at today. And wherever we go, so you can't run, that's why the, the whole, um, you know, don't create idols, because God doesn't want you to think that you can come in and, and, and leave his presence. You can't leave his presence. You can't leave his presence. So the second is that church is a dwelling place in which God lives. The church is diverse. Romans 12, 
um, for just as, we, as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same fu- function, so in Christ we, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to the other. The church is diverse. We've got a lot of members. And there's a lot of different parts, but we, we sing in harmony in the parts that he's created us. The church is diverse. And it brings us together, but we, we're united in, in unison under the same cause and the same grace. And, and God has taken us deeper and deeper as a diverse body. I'll tell you, the, the most growth that I experienced in my life spiritually was in the places I was most uncomfortable. In, in which I felt like a sore thumb that was sticking out and everybody recognized me. In places in which I, I felt uncomfortable, I was stretched to encounter a diverse body. In, in places in which I didn't connect to um, the music, the music wasn't my style, and you know, everybody dressed differently than me, and everybody talked differently than me. I, I remember um, when I, I didn't grow up in like a, a super, um, kind of like a old school church, but kind of an old school church, they would use, and it's been going on for, for you know, hundreds of years, but they would use the term um, like brother and sister, Right, and, and so I remember going to a church when I was in college, and everybody was using brother and sister, and I was like, brother so-and-so, and, and to me, that was kind of like this old school thing, but the, and, and so at first, it was really awkward to begin to call people brother and sister, because I just didn't grow up in that environment, um, but certainly, as I began, I began to fall in love with that, because people were recognizing each other as a brother and sister in Christ, like, what's so weird about that? I thought it was such an amazing thing to look at someone and call them sister and brother, and even though I don't do that all the time now, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I've learned to appreciate that, and I grew from that experience and seeing others as a, you know, a body of Christ and the, the, the true body. And so those areas in which maybe the diversity, because it's different, challenges us, it, it's, it's probably a good thing. We need to be challenged. That's part of what the body is being built together for that, and each of us are necessary. And so finally, the, the, the church is the light of the world. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, it's like Jesus' big first sermon coming out of the gate in Matthew 5. He said, you're the light of the world. And I think it's so interesting that in John's gospel, he refers to Jesus as the light of the world. There's this juxtaposition between Jesus' first sermon in which he calls us the light of the world. I think it's so incredible. He's the light of the world, but in fact, God has called us to be the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're the light of the world. Right before this, it calls us, he calls us the salt of the earth. That, that there is something within the body of Christ that is here to preserve and, and to care for and to shine a light into the dark places. We're going to look at another text that talks about that kind of uh, relationship between light and dark and our role in that. And, and ultimately, I, I want to go even further today. Because again, last week we talked about um, the resurrection. What happens after that Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father? And he, he has established his church and the church takes place. And so we just sang a song a few minutes ago about waiting for the Lord. And, and, and Jesus said, go, go to this place and wait because I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send someone to come alongside of you. I've got to leave, but like the Holy Spirit is going to come and you're going to encounter it. So what happens in Acts chapter 2, 
um, is, they're waiting in the upper room and they experience absolute supernatural in which there's these people that are from all different parts of the world and they speak all different languages and through the power of God, they begin, they wait on the Holy Spirit for a long time and, and they experience and encounter God's presence in a supernatural way in which they're speaking in, in their unknown tongues but they all understand what God's saying to them. They all understand what the others are saying to them. It's this incredible supernatural event that, that, that it closed the church with power for the mission that God's called them to. And if you, if you look on further into the text, down to the very end, the last five verses, five or six verses, beginning with chapter 2, verse 42, we're going to look in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42, and see what the church began to do and what kind of life they were living. And so over the next four to five weeks, we're going to be looking at what the church is really all about and what the principles and, and aspect of what we saw in the early church because God was moving in them in an incredible way. First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We're working through the teachings right now. Um, we are, uh, we're going to break bread in a few minutes. Um, we're going to pray together in a few minutes. But this idea of fellowship is one that we're coming back to. I'm going to read through the text, and I want to come back to verse 42, because that's where we're going to spend some time. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Does that mean they agreed on every single thing? No, but I think there was this sense of we have everything in common and we're sharing and it's not about me, even if we don't like see eye to eye on this or that. I think there was this incredible supernatural drawing together of unity because of what they were experiencing together. They sold their property and possessions and give to well, anyone who had need. Like, like that's intense. Like, what would you sell right now to give to someone in need? Like, it's some real sacrifice from the body of Christ and from the church. They sold property and possessions. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. If I told some of you guys, hey, from now on, we're going to meet every single day here. And like, some of you give, like, have fun with that. I'll see you on Sunday, man. <laughs> yeah. And our lives are, our world's different. And so though our church is contextualized and, and modernized in some ways, our message and our mission are the same. It's just simply our methods and our ministry forms have changed. So we keep the mission and the, 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 what God's called us to be and the message the same. It's a closed hand. The mission doesn't change. That's why our mission here is just go make disciples. And, and that's why our message is still the same, of preaching the gospel. But our ministry and our models have to change. Like, we're, we're constantly looking at those things. Every couple of months, like, God, is there something we need to change here that we're kind of being stubborn about? Um, so those things that we have to keep with an open hand. And so they broke bread together in their homes. We do that within our anchor group environments. We, we want to live up to that. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love, love those words, glad and they're sincere. And if you're in anchor groups, you can, you can you know, vouch that that is what's taking place there. Um, verse 47 Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I think when we are a city on the hill, when we're a light in, the, in a dark place, we, we begin to get favor. I went to Cambodia, um, and it's 97% Buddhist, somewhere in the 95 to 98% Buddhist. And, you know, the rest are like, um, you know, Muslim or, or other kind of uh, religions that are going on there, or Hindu. And it's incredible. They've been there for, for about 10 years now, and... Um, it's a, it's a dark place. Like, you can't, like, proclaim the name of Jesus, like, you know, just out in the open. Like, you, you would be, you know, persecuted. And, and so, but it's incredible. They've gone in as a nonprofit organization, and they're, they're ministry people that are, you know, running the thing, and missionaries that are, are running these schools. And uh, it's incredible, because when I went over there earlier this year, 
the, the governors and the, the, um, the prime minister is hosting us, and all over the city, this entire group of pastors and missionaries is getting a, a, a police escort around the city. And, and like, where there's millions of people, there's more people that live right there, and it's just insane. I want to get into all that. But we're being hosted around by the police, a form who we believe very differently, but we've seen favor with them because of the ministry, the light that's going on in the dark place. It works, and it happens, and it happens in your workplace, it happens in our city. As we begin to just shine a light into the dark place of our city, we're going to get favor with those officials. We're going to get favor with our community, and they're not going to want us to leave. They're going to want us to do more, and I believe that's what we can experience here. And, to the, uh, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I, that's, that's one of my favorite parts. Let's go back to verse 42. And this word, so, so we're, we're breaking down the teachings. We're, you know, we're going to break bread. We're going to pray. This word fellowship. Let's break this down for a second. Because this is the first time it shows up. It doesn't show up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It doesn't show up um, anywhere. This is the first time we've ever seen this word fellowship show up. And it's the Greek word koinonia, which means a gift jointly contributed to. It's a gift that's jointly contributed to. For many of us, fellowship, gathering, coming to church, and, and being together. That we don't do it every single day. It's it's fellowship to us was, you know, having lunch or shaking somebody's hand or a warm smile. Like, that's been fellowship to us. And A.W. Tozer kind of, like, shaped my perspective on this and said that really uh, us truly fellowshipping is not, is not connecting with one another. It's connecting with one another around the feet of Jesus. That is where true fellowship happens is that, look, here, like, we can have some real social interactions, like, weird social interactions. They might have awkward social interactions at church. Let's just all say Yes. Yes, like we can have those things, but when we gather around the feet of Jesus, the, 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 the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's one of my favorite sayings, and that we all ha- find unity in the same place in which we are because we gather to meet Jesus. We gather around the feet of Jesus, and that's where true unity happens. It doesn't happen because we like the same color on the walls or because we like the same music. It happens because we are all blood-bought and, and because we have a great desire to see God's presence here on this earth as it is in heaven. That's where the true unity and that's where true fellowship comes from. It's not from agreeing on everything, it's, it's from finding unity in the cross and gathering around the feet of Jesus. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We're getting all those other ones. I, I wonder sometimes if we've, we've ever understood that word and it's the first time it showed up. So I think it's important that we get into, but it's a gift that's jointly contributed to. Because if, if some of us, we have patterns of we come for, for music or we come for teaching or we come for, come for co- coffee. Some of you guys come for coffee? I'm just kidding. Um, it's okay. Is it okay today? I made it today. Got in there early and made the coffee. Yeah, great. I don't drink coffee, so I have no idea. Last time, I, a couple weeks ago, we did like a free coffee event and I got here early and wanted to start making the coffee. And I'm like, I don't know how to make coffee. <laughs> and I had to look it up on YouTube. I know that's sad, but... Um, I had to look at them. Thank God for YouTube, you know. Um, but this idea of fellowship, koinonia, is something that's so much deeper, and it's a gift that is jointly contributed to all of us. Just pouring into this idea of fellowship and, and, and communion and community that we have with God. So it's it's us connecting together as we connect with the, the Father. Because here's the thing: if we make fellowship all about you know music or those other things, we'll always end up offended and empty. 
But if we make it about gathering around the feet of Jesus, we'll always leave full but wanting more. If we make it about all the other things, we'll leave offended and empty. But if we make it about gathering around the feet of Jesus with, with like-minded people who, who, who see that the, the need for God's grace and, and mercy in our life and have fallen short of the glory of God, but blood-bought by, by Jesus, th- then we find ourselves satisfied but longing for more. I think there's such a good place of tension there. Of, I'm satisfied in you, Christ, but I am I'm incessantly just pursuing more of your presence. So this is the first place it shows up. It shows up three times in one text in 1 John chapter 1. I want to jump there real quick and just give a couple of thoughts. Because it shows up three times in like six verses. That's the most it shows up anywhere. That which was from the beginning, talking about Christ which, and the gospel, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. It's John talking as a, the one that was probably more intimately related and, and tight with Jesus than anyone else which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched this, we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we've seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. He's like speaking from experience. We proclaim that we have, um, what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and Jesus Christ. If we want to add people, if we want the Lord to add people to, to our number daily, I think we've got to get a real picture of just desiring it for other people. Like our desire is that you would have fellowship with us because we are at fellowship with the Father and with the Son. Like, can we have that desire and longing for people not to have just a great experience, but to have a great encounter with Jesus? To have a, a, a great life-changing relationship that is with the God of the heavens. Like, that is what our desire should be as the light of the world. It's not just good deeds, but good deeds so that they may glorify the Father in heaven. As the text looked at earlier, verse 4. So that was the first time it showed up. We write this to make our joy complete. There is something uh, in our lives that is complete when the, when the gift is not just poured in, but it's poured out and it's jointly contributed to. When we get to introduce people to Jesus and to join the fellowship. And this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. So there's a living out of the truth in being with fellowship. There's something about belonging to this in which we become accountable to each other. And in some of us, that's why we push away from the church is because we don't want to be held accountable. But you can't host the groom without also hosting the bride. If you want to love what Jesus loves, you've got to love the church and what it brings. The early church fathers, um, they're called church fathers, and we have this perspective of God is the father, but they have this perspective of God is, or, or the church is the mother. So it was father God and mother church. There was something about the nurturing nature, the growth that takes place, and, and the love and care that takes place for the body of Christ as the church, which the church is your mother. One of the, one of the early church fathers put it, and there's no like, like exact text, but it's been quoted for you know, you know, a long, long time, uh, and it's always attributed to Augustine or, or Martin Luther, one another, but the, the quote is basically, the church may be a whore, but she's still my mother. And it's this idea that, look, we're not perfect, but, but because of Christ in that, God has loved us so much that she's still our mother, and she's still the one that's here to help us grow and become, because we're, we're flawed people, but through Christ we're perfect. 
Through his righteousness, we're made clean. And, and in that, it's kind of an offensive idea about the church, but it certainly brings us back to, hey, you know, things aren't perfect at home, but I'm not going to run away from it. Because I, 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 need, I need my mom. Like, any of you guys ever got, like, a boo-boo? Anybody ever got a boo-boo? And we just want mama. And, and for some of us, like, we've pushed the church away, but we just... We just need to come home because knowing that this is the place where we're nurturing and grow and the, the darkness comes out of our life. Let's finish this text and I've got just a few challenges I want to give you. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's something about being in the light, we can have fellowship and sin actually draws, you know, puts a wedge between us with the Father, with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And then you got to have, the, to understand that, you've got to understand the rest. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. So they're saying it's like walk in the light, but like if you claim to be without sin, like you're, you're lying to yourself. The truth's not in us. Verse 9 and 10. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Let me give you four quick challenges, just as believers, as the body of Christ today, and then we're going to pray. We're going to break bread together today. Here's a few challenges for you. First, make gathering a priority. Make gathering a priority. Not because I said so, but because it's the place in which we gather around the feet of Jesus together. It's the place in which we pray together and we gather together and are encouraged in our faith and we're challenged to go beyond what is comfortable. We're challenged to be a light in the dark places. And as uncomfortable or as uh, sacrificial that feels, feels sometimes, I remember being in Mexico um, several years back. We were helping to build a church there, and we didn't know what kind of turnout we were going to have. It was like right, I mean, we crossed the border and got stopped by two cartel SUVs in the first 10 minutes. It was intense. The, the trip had gone from 20 people to six people as soon as we told them the U.S. Embassy declaration of what was going on there. And um, we... We were having church at this like gated facility because the cartels were passing our street. It was in, it was intense. If it sounds intense, it was. But they had just had an incredible like flood there um, in, in Mexico. Not flood, but just crazy rains and everything's low down there. And, and so the water was standing everywhere. Like we wanted to go like minister to people and like connect in their houses and pray and just spend time with them and help build up the church. And it, we were literally wading through this. And when we got in the back of the truck, our bodies were filled with mosquitoes covered. After we had sprayed every square inch, we were covered in mosquitoes. But that didn't, that didn't challenge me or move me, uh, even though I love the scripture that says, beautiful are the feet that carry the gospel. I love that. I love that. And so we took a picture of our feet walking through water and mud and just declared that. Beautiful are these feet, God. It's incredible what he's doing. But um, I, I wasn't moved by what we did. I, I was moved by what happened when, when people couldn't get their cars out or bikes out and, and girls came, and women came in their beautiful dresses for church. And there's not church, in, like, around the corner or uh, down the street. They're, they have to travel, like, 100 miles to find a decent Bible-believing church that's not wrapped up with terrible theology. And to see these girls walk through mud in their dresses together with people uh, of like-minded faith, that their faith could be encouraged and they could grow it, it moved me to the point of how much do I complain about stupid stuff when I get this incredible opportunity to gather with a body of believers. Make gathering a priority. Make gathering about drawing closer to Jesus. 
Don't make it about all the superficial stuff. Make it about gathering around the feet of Jesus and we find unity at that place because all ground is level at the foot of the cross. Make it about just gathering around the feet of Jesus and we won't leave offended and empty, but we'll leave full but wanting more. May gather a priority. May be intentional about your relationships. Some of the best challenge some of you guys could take today is, is to begin to live out this fellowship this week, and not just in your home, but anywhere. Like the best thing you could do is like invite somebody to lunch this week, invite invite somebody to dinner. Be intentional about your relationships. If we think it's going to happen on accident, like it may, but there's a truth that it may not. They met together daily, so for me, like just make a daily like reach out to somebody. Like, I, I dare you. I dare you just to make a daily reach out to someone. How are you doing? Just checking on you. Can we do coffee sometime? Like, just, I mean, that doesn't sound crazy, does it? Like, I'm not, like, saying anything. But be intentional about those relationships. Be intentional about the fellowship and breaking bread together as much as possible. Be intentional about And then be intentional about the unity of the body. This is one of those things that it probably should be, you know, left unsaid, but it, it, it has to be said because it doesn't happen on accident. Like, uh, unity is not something you hope for, it's something you fight for. It's not something you just hope works out and everybody's on the same page, it's something you fight for. When you hear another brother talking about uh, another brother, like you say something, you're like, hey, that's, not, that's my brother, like I don't, I dare you to say that again. <laughs> I mean, that's how we would be with our own family. Like, how, how dare you say that about them? Let's, build, let's be intentional about unity in the body and building up each other and not tearing each other down, but encouraging one another to the call that God's given them in Christ Jesus. So there's just some challenges. You may want to jot those down or, or go back through the podcast and, and pull those out. But I just challenge you to be intentional about the relationships. Be, be intentional about gathering what God wants to do. And if we're going to love what God loves, we're going to love what Christ loves, we better fall in love with the church. If we want to be built up to the fullness of Christ, the fullness of him, and be filled in every way, then we can't separate ourselves from the body, but to draw closer with the body. I want you to stand with me today. And I want across the aisles, I just want us to like smush everything together today, make a connection with the person that's right next to you, and I want us to pray together as a, as a unified body together. Just throw your hand on their back or their, hold a hand. It doesn't have to be boyfriend-girlfriend style, just however you feel comfortable. And just make a connection with some people today. Just try to touch as many people as you can. And I want, I want us to pray. I, I, I want you to do something outside of yourself. I don't want you just to pray for yourself today. I want you to pray over the people that are standing next to you. If you want to, ask their name real quick. Like that would be, that'd be normal. So go ahead and ask their name. If you don't know their name, I guess normal. And speak their name today. Speak their name to, to the Father. And, and pray that we might be unified in our diversity. We might, be, we might come in unison for the, for the name and the renown of Jesus today as we pray. Come on, I just want you to pray. Pray over those people. Pray for the unity of our church and what God's calling us to be the light of the world in this room. Can we do that? The prayers of your children, your sons and daughters today finding unity around the feet of Jesus, God. Help us to see ourselves as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters, as beloved today. Help us to encounter you fresh and new, God, because fellowshipping with your people is fellowshipping with you, God. 
God, help us to not get frustrated by the, the little things, but God, help us to just lock into the big thing that is finding the hope of Jesus, God, and sharing the, the fellowship, shining the light into the world. God, I pray that we'd be moved beyond ourselves to be unified in, at the cross today in his resurrection. God, I thank you that the curtain, the veil tore, God, that we could house your presence and, and have a chance to be the fullness of Christ expressed in this world, that all might, we might get favor in this world for the cause of Christ because of the good deeds that we do. God, we trust in you today. In Christ's holy name, amen.